All right, the book of Acts chapter 12, and who is going to be our first volunteer? There we go, Sister Dawn, glory to God. I was going to say victim, and you know, you just raised your hand so quickly, hallelujah. Right. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you felt that. Um, I think for me, this is kind of encourages um, prayer, corporate prayer, individual prayer, um, and just encourages us that you know that God does hear us um, and He does grant us you know our prayers. And my question is, He talks about um, how Herod killed James with the sword. Yes. But then He talks about Yes. Yes, this is the um, the James over here, obviously the brother of John. You remember in the gospel, they were called the sons of thunder because they were the ones who were saying to God, you know, Jesus, should, should we call, you know, lightning down and, you know, bring this destruction? He's like, y'all are crazy. Um, that doesn't what he said, but he's calling, he said, y'all don't know what spirit y'all are operating in. Um, but this, this John here, um, or this James, the other James in verse 17 is the brother of Jesus. And he actually becomes the, I'm, I'm going to call him the leader of the, of the church in Jerusalem. He ends up taking the leadership role in the church of Jerusalem. We'll see, I believe, in chapter 15 when they're having the discussion about circumcision. And then the scripture says, after they heard everything, it says, then James spoke up and he had the last, the final word of the whole conversation. And they made that decision. And he's talking about the brother of Jesus, which is also the writer of the book of James. And so definitely a different James. Who is next? Jose. Well, it's just something that I uh, learned yesterday and picked up uh, today. Um, yesterday in mentoring, uh, Pastor Roberts taught us that you cannot touch angels, but an angel can touch you. Right? I kind of didn't that at first, but then uh, he kind of showed me in Daniel, kind of where the angel touched Daniel, and then I, I was reading this today, and I was like, wow, here it is right here, there's, there's two scriptures here that show that angels, not only touching, it's in verse uh, 7, it says, um, all at once an angel of the Lord was seen standing beside him, a light shone in the building, the angel hit Peter on the side of him, so, and in verse 23 it says uh, the angel of the Lord knocked him down because he did not give <coughs> honor, <laughs> honor to God so kind of messed up man. <laughs> but uh, uh, I mean I, that's cool I didn't really see it like that right. um, one, one question I had is they there, there's a scripture somewhere that talks about an angel taking out a 185,000 men. Okay. Right? That's, that's Pastor Roberts. Do you know where that is? It's in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah? Okay. All right. That's, that's kind of unfair. You know, you're fighting an opponent. 
that you can't touch. That's right. That's right. That's that's why you want to be on that opponent's side, or make sure, or make sure you got that opponent on your side, so that way, if the you know enemy is coming against you, they will deal with that. No, but, no I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the ultimate question would be probably why would we touch an angel? Why would we, you know, what would be the point, you know, of us touching them? We touch them, we'd want to worship them. We already want to worship them if we see them. So I don't, I don't see the reason why we would need to touch the angel, but no, no, there's obviously some reason for them to touch us. So. But that's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very good, very good. Who else? Who is next? I got a question. Yes, sir. Okay, that's a good question. So, first of all, he's waiting for after the Passover, and with Herod, Herod is a is a figure here who the Jews don't like him. Okay, they don't like him because he's an Edomite, and they don't want him to be ruling over them. So he's already got this you know this friction of relationship with them. So they don't like him. So what happens is the Jews are coming or he is saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to win favor with these people because obviously I'm the one that's got to lead these people. So if they don't like me, they make things difficult for me. So he wants to earn some kind of favor with them. And that way, you know, they'll want to work with him and see, hey, I believe in your laws and your customs. And so just like with Jesus, you know, they had to wait until after these certain times. So, you know, it wasn't going to be a lawful thing to go, you know, during the middle of their ceremonies of unleavened bread celebrating that Passover. And, you know, they're, um, you know, coming out of Egypt, it wouldn't be a good thing. So that's the reason why he did that. But his whole, his whole thing was that if he could go ahead and he could kill the, you know, the, the leaders, because they wanted these people dead. You know, James, 100% Jewish. But here's the thing. They're Jewish. Peter and James are Jewish. But they're Jews who are bringing in this new religion into the atmosphere. So the, so the hardcore Jews, they hate these guys. And they want them dead. So, you know, he goes ahead and it doesn't really give us a reason why. Um, in particular, he killed James, but he kills James. And when he kills James, he saw the way the Jews got. They were like, yeah, you know, they're like supporting him. And he's like, wait a second, this is all I got to do to get their support? I'm going to kill all their leaders, you know, especially Peter. This guy's been, you know, defying everybody and doing his own thing and don't want to shut up. He's over here, so we're going to get him. So that was his that was his plan. That was his game plan. Well, well, what he's doing with the prison thing is he's showing the Jewish people, I honor your religious rites right. and your religious ceremony. So that's all he's doing. He's not really giving Peter opportunity. He's just taking Peter and locking him up throughout that ceremony time. And that way he doesn't disrespect the Jews. And then after their ceremony's over, then he's going to go ahead and kill Peter. It's just to prove to them that, because remember, like I said, they they can't stand him because they're like, this guy doesn't believe in our customs, nothing like that. But he's like, I want to show you guys. Oh, I believe in your customs. You know, he's a great politician. Right. And um, what really stood out to me was um, how, um, you know, the power of God to just wake Peter up, send that angel to wake Peter up. And um, I get the way I took it was um, the soldiers and the guards fell asleep or something. That's the way I took it. Right. You know, like God just took over the situation. Right. The soldiers fell asleep that were in the cell with him, and the guards at the 
door and was like right. knocked out for him to get out of there. You know? Right, right. But that that power of God to send those angels, and at the end when he sent the angels down and shoved Herod and turned, let the worms eat him. You know, right. that's just you know that's some powerful stuff that, <laughs> that really stuck out to me the most. You know, right. But um. Glory to God, you know. Amen. That's some powerful stuff. So that stuff that stuck out to me a lot, you know. Praise the Lord. That's good. You say you don't know why. I know why. You don't know why what? Why were they kill, Why would they kill James? Why would they kill James? Because he was bringing a different teaching than the right than the cultural teacher right. of their Jews. Right. No, no. What I meant when I said I don't know why, there's not like a specific thing that James did, you know, in order to make Herod kill him. I know that, but I'm saying what I'm saying is it wasn't. It wasn't. I said that, Angel. I said that. What I'm saying is there wasn't something that he did to violate the law, you know, other than you know the Jewish law. So, like I said, that was the only reason. But you're good, wonderful. Praise the Lord. Who's next? Oh, Sister Grace. Listen, that has to be not Peter because 
I just want to say this. First of all, Rhoda believed it. It was the people inside that didn't believe it. Rhoda was like, it's Peter. She was so excited. She just didn't go open the thing. You know, she was like, it's his voice. And she runs back inside the house and she's like, y'all, Peter's out there. And they're like, nah, you're crazy, girl. You know, Rhoda was like a, Rhoda was like a servant girl. You know, she, she was a servant in, in the house. And so, you know, they're like, man, you're mad. You know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're out of your mind. You know, we're up in here praying and, and, you know, something's going, you know, maybe you need to eat some food or something. You've been up too long. I don't know. Maybe you need to stop fasting. I don't know what they were, you know, thinking, but they, they, they were not, you know, um, they, and, and this, this is the thing. This is a hard situation because here's what happens. There's two dynamics that come into play here in this, okay? First of all, they wouldn't be gathering together to pray if they didn't have faith, right? But, now, now here's the other dynamic. If they had full faith with no doubt, they would have never doubted her. They would have went out there immediately and said, hey, let's open this door. Peter's here. God answered the prayer. So, but, but here's, here's, the, here's the reality. You know what this, this shows us? This shows us all of us, just like she used the example. We get together. We're stirred up. We're praying. We're believing God is going to do something. How many times? I mean, I don't know about you, but it's happened to me plenty of times where I'm praying. I'm believing. I'm all this, everything. And then when it happens, I'm like, wow, that really happened. Okay. And it just happens to all of us because. Because we, you know, that is the, you know, the dynamic of being a, hu a human being where, you know, you have this one side of you, that spirit man, you know, that is, I believe, I believe, and I'm coming to pray, you know, and I'm seeking God, standing on his promise. But then there is the other part of you that we got to kill, which is our flesh, 
that gets in the way because, you know, it will cause us to doubt. And, you know, many times, I mean, Peter was standing out there. I mean, who knows if them guards would have woke up, someone could have came and killed the guy out there. They would have been like, see, you were crazy. But, you know, praise God, that didn't happen. So what I'm saying is your your perception of it is there, there, there's that dynamic there. And then there is the dynamic over here where there is true faith because they would have never been, trust me, I mean, they when it says that constant prayer, you know, that, that consistent, fervent prayer was being given on behalf of Peter, they were praying. You know, they were praying that God, I mean, they, they just saw James get beheaded. They saw James get killed. And so they knew, man, Peter, Peter's on his way to get killed too. So they were praying, you know, for him. But at the same time, you know, we don't know exactly, you know, what they were praying or whatever the case is, but we do know that, that, that God specifically points out that they were praying for him. And so, you know, they were obviously praying there and they had that faith. But we just got to keep in mind that that's all of us. And we've got to walk into that place where, you know, we're able to walk in more faith and less doubt and just continue to grow in that area because that's what we see here. I mean, and that's that's the beauty of this picture is that, you know, you see a girl who she believed it. She was, I mean, and it wasn't, if she would have been inside, she would have probably been one of the ones saying, oh, you done lost your mind. But she went out there and she knew the voice. You know, she knew that when she heard Peter, you know, call, she knew the voice. She was like, oh, that's Peter's voice. We've been listening to him for the last 10 years, preach and teach. So she knew that voice. She heard that, went inside, and people were like, what? You know, I mean, it's, and, and you remember, it's nighttime. You know, not in a, no, they, they don't usually let people go at night. I mean, you got to think about all the different things that are going on that are surrounding this situation, you know, this, this, this occurrence, you know, these things. I mean, we don't know what time. We just know that it was at nighttime. So they're in there, they're praying and they're believing that God is going to do something. But the suddenness of the miracle is what caused that, re you know, reaction. And then, you know, they go and they think, yo, it's, it's his angel. It's not really him. And so that's good. <laughs> there's some customers in here, you know. It was beating hard, and I'm praying and praying. And I mean, I was praying for like maybe five minutes. All of a sudden, a whole bunch of people came to the store, and phones started to ring. And I was like, in my mind, I'm saying, God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
heart. So it was just like that spontaneous that happened. But you know, in my heart, I had you know I had doubt over things that was happening. You know, also. So, but I was like, wow. You know, okay, all right, I'm gonna leave this one thing. You know, right. And I, and, I, I, and, and again, did you want to say something, Pastor Robert? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, it's not really about the, the book of Acts, but the Bible says to, to let us reason together. And when you have people that are truly studying the word, you can actually sit down and reason. There, there are two dynamics in, in the scriptures that we saw. And if two people wasn't studying, we wouldn't have saw that. Right. You know, right. We, we wouldn't have been able to come here and learn. Right. Everybody in here should have learned something. Right. From, from what just happened, from people opening up the word and seeing things, and both spirit led, right? Because right. they neither one was in error, right. but both brought revelation to the situation right. for us. Right. Amen. 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 Pastor, I just want to say that uh, at home I study in the in the computer. I don't read the Bible too much, but um, I have a lot of commentaries, and sometimes I read them. And uh, this guy was saying that the problem was the girl uh, wrote. Because it's like credibility. Like if you tell me my wife is out there, I'm wrong because you told me. But let's say that Angel's always joking with me. He said if she's out there, I said she's in Texas right now. There's no way. So it's credibility. Just you know how to believe in the person. But another thing is that they. He was saying that if he if he was really Peter, she would have opened the door and not run inside. Right. So because of that, maybe they didn't believe. So right. who knows what happened? But right. You need to think of those things all. Yeah. But the custom of the people, was she allowed to open the door? That's mm -hmm. that's the thing we have to look up to because we, we need to know the custom of the people. Was that girl, the, the man, the credibility thing is off the chain because really she's a damsel. She has a name, but who is she? Who is she? You know? um, but was the girl allowed to... Supposed to open the door? Right. Was she allowed to open that door? Well, I think she was, and the reason why is because he says... When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, right. but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. So I think I doubt that yeah, he would have put in there that she didn't. That right. That she was 11. I said, where does right. he get that idea that right. she was 11? Right. No, but and, 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 I, and, I, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that she was one of the servant girls there. You know, she wasn't well-known and so credibility would have definitely been. But I think more going along with the credibility thing, you know, if we want to build on that. I think the fact that she ran in saying it, you know, it was more like, it was more like, you know, hey, I want to get everybody stirred up, you know, type of thing. And they're like, Look, you know, why didn't you bring him in, you know? And so, you know, that, that, that whole situation there. But I do think that there's just a great dynamic there. And like Pastor Robert said, you know, as you're studying, God is going to point out one thing to you, you know, where he may be challenging you to have more faith, you know, or in this situation, you know, something else. And so it's important that we do because this is what this is. That's the whole purpose of this thing. And so we can have this wonderful Going back and forth. Every time I read this, uh, the only thing that comes to my mind is that we need to believe more. Amen. Sometimes I pray and I'm not even believing it just because it's just so used to do it. Right. We need to pray believing that it's going to happen. It's all right. But I, I think, um, going back to my own personal experience, your faith kind of goes through the trials. When you get to a point in your life, and I, you know, like I said, from my own experience, I got, it's like God put me in a transition where I had no choice but to trust him. It was like my family couldn't be there, my friends couldn't be there, my husband couldn't be there, but it was but God. And once I got into that predicament, nothing that happens in my life will I doubt God because I now my faith is I know God is going to bring me through. 
to bring you through. So it's like in that faith is is a day to day walk with God, having to trust Him through life experiences and stuff like that. So it it, it comes, it comes. The more that you go through, the more your faith will build. Amen. Amen. Somebody has something? Yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, in verse 6, it said, um, Peter was sleeping. But I think um, he, was, he, could, he could have slept because he remembered um, what Jesus told him about him not dying young. Right. And that he would die by the sword. So I think he wasn't that worried, you know, that God would come through for him. It was either that or he was highly exhausted from not sleeping for all the other nights. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe that's why the angel had to strike him. Like, dude, get up, man. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think that that's very plausible because most of us, we would definitely, we, we might be catnapping, but we wouldn't be knocked out, you know, sleeping like he was. And for him to be asleep like that, I think most definitely that that is probably, you know, the reason why he could be that way. I mean, he obviously knew people were praying for him, but above anything, he had a prophetic word from Jesus himself that said, you know, when you're young, you know, you led yourself when you're older. And so he knew, I got to get older, you know, so it ain't over. So definitely something that's going to build his faith. And um, that faith is in what? It's in the Word of God, you know. It's in the Word of God. And, and whatever God's Word says, that's what he's going to do. Amen? Amen? Anybody else before I move on? I would say that they're praying for him. Amen. For sure. <clears throat> All right, let's go from verse 1. Now, about this time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. And we kind of already went over this, but the reason why he was motivated to do that was because he was despised by the Jewish nation. He was leading a territory, and he wanted to gain their respect and their support. And so he figured, you know what? This will be a great way for me to earn their support. I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to persecute this new sect of Jews that the, you know, the real Jews don't like and want to get rid of. He goes ahead and he kills James for the reason being that he was preaching the word of God. He was part of the, you know, he was one of the, the original 12 apostles of Christ. So he goes and he kills, he kills James. He, you know, beheads him or he doesn't do it himself, but has him beheaded and killed by the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to, to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So he takes these four squads of soldiers. So each um, squad consisted of four soldiers. So there was four different squads, 16 soldiers there. And what would happen is, you'll see here, and we'll look at it in a moment, but um, there was two soldiers who would chain up next to the, with the prisoners. So they, the prisoner would be in between these soldiers. They would be on one side of the chain, you know, the handcuffs, so to speak. Prisoner would be in the middle, so there was no way that prisoner could run. And then they were in there with him. And then outside of the room or, or you know, by the door was the other set of soldiers who were there making sure no one got in. So it was tight, secure. He's making sure that they're not going to be able to get out. So he gets them and they alternate shifts. So that way, you know, this one works for this many hours and they continue to alternate during this time. Verse 5 says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I want you to notice how important that word but is there. It says all that is, it starts off, this chapter starts off with this negativity. This chapter starts off with this horrible persecution of the church. It starts off with a bad situation. And what changes that bad situation? A but. 
and that but is all that is negative, 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 but prayer is still going on. And this, this causes us to say, what do we do when situations rise up against us? What do we do when we're facing difficulty? Do we start complaining or do we start crying out to God? Do we start fussing about all these things and pointing fingers and blaming people? Or do we start calling upon the Lord and, and, and proclaiming his promises, doing like David did? When everybody abandoned David, the Bible says what? That he went in a corner and cried? No. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord. He came back. They had totally ransacked the, the neighborhood, took the women and children. The guys were like, hold on a second. We're going to kill you because you're the reason why all of this is happening. And David's like, you know what? I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And what ended up happening? He goes out and gets all of the things back. So we got to question ourselves. When these difficulties, when these persecutions of our faith, these tests of our faith come into our lives, what do we do? Do we come together and pray? What do, what, what do we do in our family when we're going through financial stuff? I love Pastor Robert's testimony of his dad. When they were kids and they were broke and you know what they're sitting down and they're like all right we ain't got much to, but we're gonna go ahead and pray and they prayed the phone rings and look i'm not telling you this because your phone is gonna ring after you pray because that's what happens to us we hear a testimony like this and we think i'm gonna you know what pastor robert's dad did it and so we're going through it and we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna pray and so you know but in his situation they prayed phone rings says hey you know we got a check for you for this amount of money you got to get over here how's he gonna get over there somehow he made it over there glory to god wonderful situation I heard another testimony the other day. I don't know if I read it somewhere or someone told it to me, but it was of a, of a family. I sat down, father said that, that he didn't have anything, didn't have anything, you know, no, no food or anything like that. And he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit down and give God thanks. Let's sit at this dinner table and we're going to give the Lord thanks. Someone knocks on the door. What happens? Listen, I don't know why, but you know, the Lord, God put it in my heart for me to bring this food to you. What do they do? They step, they operated in faith. And so the question is, what do we do when we're going through these times? You know, because we got, we got to remember, you know, the enemy, the enemy, we, we don't battle against flesh and blood. Okay. Their battle in this situation wasn't Herod. It was the devil that was doing everything that he could do in order to hinder what God was doing in the church. With that in mind, the enemy comes to do what? To destroy our lives. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is what he comes to do. And so we realize when we talk about persecution, when you are, and I can attest to this glory to God, when you are deciding, okay, you know what, God, I'm going to this next level that you're calling me to. You know what, God, I'm going to walk in what you're calling me to walk in. You know what, Lord? I'm going to shut the TV off and I'm going to get into my prayer time. You know what, Lord? I'm going to start witnessing more. Whenever you start deciding that you're really going to take it to the next level, and when I say next level, look, I'm not talking about nothing crazy. I'm talking about another level with God in intimacy and in obedience. When you decide that, trust me, all hell is going to break loose. That's just the bottom line. And it may not necessarily come through a person directly against you, but your faith is going to be tried because you know what? It's, it's, it's just the way the enemy is. He don't want you to walk in victory. He doesn't want you to walk forward because you really get in tight with God and you really start seeking God. And you want to know what starts happening? You start changing people's lives because what? Because your life is being changed. And so now you're, you're a walking time bomb waiting to change someone's life, waiting for the Holy Ghost to use you to do something. So when those things happen against you, what do we do church? Do we get, do, do we call prayer meetings or do we say the proverbial Hispanic? I bendito. Translation, poor baby. 
and just be like, oh, it's going to be another. Wait a second. That's not what, that's not our example that we have in the scripture. So the scriptures give us an example. All of this hell is breaking loose. All of this persecution is arising. All of these things are coming to try their faith and they have a choice. They can flee or they can fight, right? So what do they do? They start to pray. The scripture goes on to say in verse six, it says, and when Herod was about to bring him out. Now notice when this happens. Okay, most theological writers say that they were praying for about a week before any of this happened because it's the week of unleavened bread. So they're saying that probably in the beginning of the week is when Peter was arrested. And so now they are getting together. And when they're talking about fervent prayer, remember that they, they, they were real diligent. They're in Jerusalem. Okay, they're praying morning time. They're praying afternoon. They're praying evening. And we see here that they're having night watches in prayer because this is in the nighttime. Notice it shows us clearly that this happens at night because number one, Peter is sleeping right Rolando pointed out something he said in my idea I just think that the soldiers were probably sleeping and you know what I agree they were I'm not going to say it says that but I agree they were probably sleeping why I done locked you up with me we can take a nap because if you move I'm jumping up isn't that what's going to happen if you turn the wrong way my arm's going to pull I'm going to wake up there's no need for me to stay awake you know it's I got I got a built-in alarm system for this situation but we have we have this um, th th this scenario here. So about a week goes by. They're praying. They're seeking God, and they're like, "Okay, well, Lord, you know, maybe you know the same way that it was your will for James to die. Maybe it's your will for Peter to die. I don't know. Maybe that's what was going through their mind. But the point of the matter was that they were praying, and look when God does it. It says the night. So Herod decided tomorrow I'm taking Peter out. Tomorrow is the D day. And God says, okay, now tonight, it's, Peter, you've been there long enough. They've been praying long enough. And now I'm going to do this wonderful miracle. I'm going to deliver you. And that way my prophetic word will be accomplished in your life. And so that night, the scripture says that he was there. And that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. Remember where the soldiers are. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And it's amazing to me because this light, you know, the light has got to be bright, right? You, and, 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 and this just gives us another picture of something that you don't understand half the time. How can you not see this? You, you ever talking? How can you not see this? The light is shining so brightly. This is so clear. And it's the same scenario here. Nighttime, pitch black, dark. This light shines brightly. Nobody sees it except Peter. The four guards that are there, they don't see nothing. Nobody sees this light to wake them up. Because, you know, when you go, if you're sleeping, most of us, if someone turns on a light, what happens? You jump because it, it startles you. They didn't jump because they were blind spiritually. They were not awakened to the spiritual things. And so what happens is Peter goes and he gets struck on the side. The, the, angels, um, the, the, the angels struck Peter on his side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off of his hands. So now... Remember them that that, that built-in security system that they had no longer is in effect because now those chains fall off. So what happens? Peter jumps up and he begins to do this. Now I want you to notice. I mean, just look at all of the little details that God gives us here. It says then the angel said to him, "Gird yourself and tie your sandals." Now, now notice the supernatural miracle that is taking place, and yet God doesn't forget about the practical thing here. Right? Look what he says. Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So we got to think. God doesn't just do, the, you know, just the great big stuff. He pays attention to the details. He goes on to tell him. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garments and follow me. Why? Because Peter thought he was having a vision. Peter would have walked out of this prison butt naked. 
or in his underclothes because he wasn't naked. He just in his under. He would have walked out, been walking down the street, just naked. And then out of revelation, this is real. So God knew this. God didn't want to wake him up because Peter might have tried to be too quiet and woke something up, done something. So God lets him think. You know what? Put this on. So Peter's like, man, this is a crazy vision. Whatever the case is, verse nine. So he went out and followed him. And did not know that what was done by the angel was real. He's thinking he's having a vision. He's like, yo, I'm in this deep sleep. Remember, he was knocked out. So, you know, the angel had to strike him and wake him up. So he's like, man, I'm, I'm sleeping. So he's knocked out. And we've all had those kind of dreams. We thought that this thing was real. We wake up sweating and crying and all that craziness. Well, Peter's like, well, okay, this is a great dream. I'm getting delivered from this prison. So verse 10, when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. It's important that we notice what happened here. The first time that Peter gets taken out of prison and he's sent out by the angel, the angel tells him, go to this place and preach. The angel gave him no such instruction here. And that is because it was time. Peter's time in Jerusalem at this point is done. Isn't it? He doesn't need to go preach no more. I'm delivering because if you stay preaching here, trust me, they're going to kill you. It's, it's going to happen. So I'm delivering you from the plan of the enemy. I'm delivering you from this bondage. And then we move on to verse 12. It says, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And again, I want to point out, these people would not have been together praying if they didn't have any faith. Okay, so they had faith. They're just like any of us that we, we our faith is going to be mixed with doubt until we continue to grow through, you know, our experiencing the word of God in our lives and seeing God's word being fulfilled. So they're there going through this. They've been praying for a while. And verse 13 says, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness. She did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. In other words, you are out of your mind. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is his angel, which is the, where we get the theory that everybody has this guardian angel. This is, this, is a, this is something that was their traditional thought. I'm not saying that we have a guardian angel. I'm, I'm going to just tell you this. Angels are ministering spirits, okay? And they are out there protecting us and doing what they need to do. I don't know if there's one that's assigned to me or a bunch, but I just praise God that there is something, glory to God, that is watching my back. Hallelujah. We ain't got to get no deeper than that. Verse 16, it says, Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That word astonished means amazed or literally means to be taken out of their place. So they told her, you're out of your mind. When they saw Peter, now they were all out of their place. They were all shaken. They were like, oh my goodness, this guy is here. And verse 17 tells us, obviously they got excited. They're astonished. They're crying and shouting. You, know, you, you got to just imagine the excitement of this moment. And what does Peter do? Peter motions to them and tells them, you got to keep quiet because, you know, they may be coming behind me pretty soon here. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. Why? Why go tell these things to James and the brethren? So they can stop praying and start praising. So they can stop worrying and start rejoicing. So they can just thank the Lord that I've been delivered from bonds and I'm not going to be killed. And then it goes on to say, and he departed and went to another place. And this is, except, you know, a little bit later on, you see a little glimpse of Peter. But Peter kind of disappears from the whole book of Acts. And so now... 
The situation moves on. Then as soon as it was day, that's how we know that it was at night. So this, you know, in, somewhere, you know, between 6 p.m. when the sun is going down, you know, to 6 a.m. This when all of this stuff happened. So when the daytime comes, <clears throat> there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. So probably the next shift is coming in and they're like, they walked in there and these guys, they probably already woke up and they're like, man, what are we going to do? Where, where did this guy go? I mean, we were, we were tied to him and we're still tied. He's gone. You know, you guys were standing. I mean, they probably went through all kinds of arguments and all kind of craziness because all four of them were about to die and they knew this because where's this guy at? Who let him out, right? So they go, they, you know, they have this whole deal going on and, you know, remember Herod the next day, he sends because he, he wants to bring Peter out so he can kill him. And the scripture says, but when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. So they so they set out to put this guy to death. You don't you know you 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 got to be careful who you want to kill. Glory to God. You got to be careful who you agree with. They 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 were agreeing against God, and so they ended up in a bad situation. They should have said, "I don't want that shift." Hallelujah. Y'all can go do that. I don't care how much it pays. It don't matter. And he went down from there, and went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. And verse twenty moves on, and it shows us something. Now remember this this chapter opens with Herod. Okay. It opens with Herod and his persecution of the church. Literally, what Herod is doing, because remember, we, we established this, that when someone is coming against me, they're not just coming against me, they're coming against God. When someone is coming against you, if you are doing things righteously, when you're doing wrong, no, 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 God is going to correct you. But when you and I are walking in righteousness... They're, come, they're not just coming against little old you. They're coming against Almighty God. And in this situation, when Herod decided this is a great plan, I am going to come against the, this sect of people that are making this whole mess up in this place. I'm going to come against them and I'm going to gain the favor of these people. Literally, what he was doing was he was taking on Almighty God. He was literally going up against Almighty God. He's setting himself up for the greatest failure of his entire life. So the scripture moves on and it says, Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. So Herod comes out. These people have, you know, bribed his secretary, treasurer guy, got him to, you know, give him this. So he's like, all right, I'm going to come out. I'll talk to them. Forgive them. So he goes and he makes this, uh, you know, this, this, this oration. He gives this big, you know, um, communication to them or whatever. And they, you know, that's the moment where they're like, we're going to win his favor. We're going to show him how great we think he is. And so they begin yelling this, you know, oh, this is a voice of a God, not of a man, voice of a God, not of a man. And then, you know, he's, he's there and he's like, he's just eating it up. He's like, yes, I'm, you know, I'm a God. And not realizing, dude, you have set yourself up against Almighty God. If this had been any other month of your life, if this had been any other day in your life, you probably wouldn't have experienced what you're about to experience. But because you have risen up to try to make an example of my church and make an mockery of me, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make an example of you and I'm going to show you that you do not rise up against Almighty God because you are not a God. And so the scripture goes on and it says in verse 23, then immediately, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. Now, this eaten by worms and died, I want to, I want to, I want to touch on this because when you picture, when you look at this, all right, when, when you look at this situation, you're thinking that some big worms came out and ate this guy up. Okay. 
That is not what the historian Josephus, who is the great historian, communicates. He says that what happens is this guy ended up having, he got sick all of a sudden, and he was sick for like five days, couldn't cure him, and he died. And where they get the worm thing from is obviously this guy had something that went wrong in his stomach, got some kind of parasite or whatever that began to eat him internally. And they just know that it was because of God striking him. He fell down and it was at that moment that this thing overtook his body and it was simply like a plague that came from God. So that's the picture. Don't just picture some worms just swallowing him with the earth because that's not what happened, okay? What happens is this guy ended up being struck by God and then the historian tells us that he didn't die that day. Five days later he died and it was because of that. Something was eating him internally. But look at the way the chapter closes and we're only going to close, we're going to close on verse 24 because verse 25 is going to bring us into chapter 13. But verse 24 says this, but the word of God grew and multiplied. So look at how wonderful this is. Herod starts out persecuting the church. I'm going to win favor with the Jewish people. I'm going to do all this and that and the next thing. All of this wonderful stuff. Seeming like the church is going to go ahead and going to fall and everything is going to just spread apart. That isn't what happens. Why? Why has all of this happened like this? It is because of that but. It is because but the church prayed. And this is so very important for us. To make sure that we are a people who are given to prayer. Because what causes all of these things to happen is because the church maintained itself in the right position. They didn't start complaining. They didn't start walking away. They didn't stop coming together. As a matter of fact, when the persecution intensified, so did their seeking of God. When things got more difficult, they got more diligent. And it is important that we become those type of men and women, that we come together in faith and that we unify and that when opposition arises against us, that we find our face, that we find ourselves on our faces before God, unifying in faith and bringing in what God wants to bring in and not allowing the enemy to hinder what God is trying to do through us. Amen. Amen. All right. Let us all stand to our feet.